Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. My guest today will be Plaz Kelly. He is going to come in and help me discuss one CM Punk in a very odd way for many of you. I would guess the rumors are flying around that the world is coming to an end for Tony Khan, which it is not. He is too big to fail. He's a rich man. He is probably not going to lose his television contract, as others are predicting that he might. If he does, it doesn't matter. He'll get another one. He is putting out a fantastic product. The sky is not falling. That is not our discussion. Our discussion will be structure in the workplace, whether that be ball clubs, locker rooms, businesses, movie sets. Plies Kelly, the guest today, is uniquely qualified for this as he played football at a high level at the University of Georgia. He is also an actor slash body double in the movie, TV, streaming industry. He also works with, uh, as a matter of fact, we had a meeting today with the X- about the XFL-USFL merger. And we're going to welcome him to the show on the other side of our intro. But we're going to talk punk. We're going to talk Tony Khan, who's the owner of AEW, and what may have been some misfalls early on that hopefully he's learned from. We're going to talk Paul Levesque, who was one Triple H, power structures there. Um, WWE is reportedly a very structured environment at this point. At one time, it wasn't. And we'll talk the advantages of that. We will discuss probably the University of Georgia and Mark Richt, as that's who he played for. Richt also crossed over into some coaches I know a little bit about as an observer. And then we'll talk, you know, who knows? We might even talk Guardians of the Galaxy. And all that will be on the other side of this. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live-action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, Go Home Heat. I'm here with Plies Kelly. Plies, explain to the people who you are. All right. I am a podcaster slash <laughs> former athlete just trying to make his way in this uh, the social media world. Right, right. You played at the University of Georgia. You played safety. You played, uh, yeah. You've been a body double. You've been an actor. You create content. You work with the XFL. You just got out of a meeting with the XFL and the USFL yeah. merger stuff. You uh, yeah. and you're giving me some time to help me discuss locker rooms and divas and things like that. You've been around a few divas over the years. Yeah, there's always a situation, no matter what walk of life or what type of employment that you have, you're going to encounter that personality somewhere, no matter what you do. In the entertainment industry and in sports, it's it's just larger than it would be at a, in a normal situation. Right. Right, you have uh, one CM Punk. If, if for the for the listener, look, go back. If you if you don't know Punk thoroughly well, go to YouTube, pull up CM Punk Pipe Bomb. That will explain to you who he is in and out of character. It is very uh, uh, heat. Punk feels it is his job to push pro wrestling forward through his version of honesty and telling his 
details. And he winds up in this company called AEW. The structure there is fairly loose. You have wrestlers who are part of management. He famously gets frustrated with it, calls it out. It turns into fisticuffs. He winds up getting suspended. They basically give him his own show on Saturday nights to keep him away from the EVPs that work there. That goes awry when they have a show in London where everybody's together. One of the younger talents that isn't an EVP calls him out on camera when he's not. When Punk is in the back getting ready for his match, the other guy's having his match, has no reason to call him out, calls him out. Punk confronts the kid, winds up choking the kid out, lunges at the owner, gets fired, the works, comes in to work with Hunter. Tell me this, how good do you have to be in a football environment to see the neat thing about you is wrestling is a merger of an athletic locker room and a movie set. It is. It's, it's the perfect marriage between the two. Right. And you have experience in both. Yeah. Um, usually in, in, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you don't have divas. Divas don't exist on defense. What about cornerbacks? Corner. See, here's the thing. Cornerbacks, cornerbacks depend on, defensive linemen and linebackers okay the better the better your defensive ends are the more picks you're going to get the less time you're you're alone on your island they're they're there to make your job easier offensive side of the ball that's where you're going to have divas and there is one position over all others that produces that type of behavior and that is wide receivers right and in like a rock band structure you have your lead singer right Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Now, tell me tell me this. How good do you have to be for them to allow you to color outside the box in those scenarios? <laughs> uh, you have to be you have to be elite. Um, you fight it more in college, well actually more in pros. Back in back in the early 2000s, um, mid 2000s, you had it but it wasn't as prevalent as you are as it is now in the in NFL now, every team has a diva. I was friends. I'm friends with one. Uh, Terrell Owens, probably the biggest um, diva wide receiver that has ever lived. Yeah, he's up there. He is wild, wildly talented, uh, Hall of Fame player. But you, you want to know how uh, being a diva is? He's forty. He's probably he's, he's probably like forty seven. Mm-hmm. He still thinks he can play. He still he still would he still went out there running trying to get ready. To, for a team to pick him up, it never ends. <laughs> and if you remember, I, I you, yeah, I do, do you, but right. I, but it's, but, yeah. And but the thing with a guy like that is, and here's the thing with divas, right? Is when you need them, you need them, and when the stats are high, the stats are high. But at some point, there's always risk reward in any aspect of life. And right. with with To, once it got to a point where the reward was no longer greater than the risk, he got moved on. So he wound up on a, on several teams. He wound up kind of being a gun for hire. He'd come in, he'd do well. Next thing you know, he'd speak out. It, it is similar in some ways because, like, when he was in Dallas, supposedly the other receivers went to him and said, hey, we don't feel comfortable talking to the coordinators because right. we're, we're worried about Romo and Witten and not getting the ball at all and, and getting sent out of town, that kind of thing. So can you do it for us? And I think Todd Haley was the was the guy that he went and talked to. And Todd Haley said, open door policy, I'll never tell anybody. And then by the time 
T.O. got back to the locker room, the reporters already knew what he had said. And right. and that's kind of similar in that I think that when you get to the AEW structure, you had these EVPs, but supposedly Cody, who left to go to WWE, before he left, he was the guy that if people weren't comfortable with the way they were being booked, they would go to Cody. And Cody would kind of navigate the water for them with Tony. But once he left, the Bucks and Kenny weren't really, that wasn't really their way of doing things. They were more worried about their aspects of the show, reportedly. And so there was nobody to go to. When Punk comes in, he's kind of got Tony's ear at first. He's the apple of Tony's eye. So when people come to complain to Punk, to some degree, in order to maybe get him to discuss things with Tony, and then there's pushback from the Bucks, you get this friction, and Punk calls him out, calls out the Young Bucks after he wins the World Heavyweight title in a meeting. That becomes this back and forth, which leads to the fist fight we all know about, and of course this other stuff. You have to have structure. When you were in, let's say, at, at Georgia, right? You have your players that kind of police themselves. And then you have your position coach, which is, uh, I would guess, he's more like a, he's a little bit more like one of the boys than, say, the coordinator, yeah. who, who tends yeah. to be a little bit more like one of the boys than, say, the head coach. Am I right on that? Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, on a coaching staff, it's delegated. So uh, Brian Van Gorder was the, was the DC. Uh, uh, Martinez did the, uh, was the secondary guy. But, yeah, so head coaches don't necessarily deal directly with players unless you're, like, the quarterback. But it's delegated to the, to the assistant coaches and the, and the grad assistants. Right. And if you have a great deal of issue with what's going on with your position, for, at first you talk to your position coach. If you don't like the answer, then you go to – there's a chain of command, right? Then you go to the coordinator. Right. If you don't like that answer, then you go to the head coach. Right. Right, and then the head coach tells you, go back to the coordinator. <laughs> Yeah. I remember I remember the way it worked at Florida State when Rick was there, which I think will be interesting just for for me, is that, you know, Bowden tended to be a player's guy. And he he yeah. had a locker room full of guys that, you know, the most famous player he had was Dion. Right. And that changed his recruiting dynamic, which allowed him to get that style of athlete. But it also he brought in that style of personality to the big personality, not a bad personality, but a big one. And he had. Mickey Andrews and Rick, who were kind of the tacticians to relegate that, and then he was allowed to kind of still be the friend. Was you, you want to be – oh, college, you definitely need uh, players' coaches. Like every coach in college is a, it should be a players' coach. Head coach? Yes, head coach. Right. Right. And so when Rick was at Georgia, he didn't have to be the tactician. No, no. Uh, Van Gorder, the de- defense coordinator, was the uh, – was the was the bad cop to the good cop? Okay, okay. Now, in, on like a movie set, like does how does a director work with that? Is he kind of like the head coach, or is he everything? All right. So on set, the director is over everything, right? But then you have your uh, your assistant directors. They are doing the majority of the work. Your assistant directors are the guys getting everybody into position making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. The director only deals for the most part with the main principles. Like even if you're like a, like a, uh, like a side principle, like on guardians of the galaxy two, um, 
James Gunn was dealing with Michael Rooker and Dave Batista and those guys. And then the, if you're a side character or whatnot, like, uh, I don't know, uh, like his brother, his brother played uh, Rocket on the ground, uh, voiced by Bradley Cooper. Yeah, those guys would be the TA or the, um, the assistant director would get him into position. That would be their job. Let's look at these structures. Like we have Tony's trying to do literally everything. You have the EVPs who there's not really management. That was the whole, these guys aren't fit to run a target. Well, they, they weren't really managers anyway. They're wrestlers. Right. Right. right? Cody, and, leaving, Cody leaving, I think, was the biggest block taken out of that organization that caused their instability. Co- Cody was the person who was taken. Because Cody's experience, I mean, his dad is one of the greatest bookers in the history of pro wrestling. He, underst- he understands the business. He understands the business side, and he also came from WWE on top of that, where Dusty helped build NXT, helped build all these great things, helped book all these great matches in WCW. So he understood more so than Tony, more so than Bucks. He had been doing it longer. There's nothing better than experience, and Cody had that. And when you lost him, when you lost him, you lost all your stability because everybody else didn't have the didn't have the experience. And so now, what you have is Tony on the back end of multiple years trying to create an infrastructure. Right? He now has this board that you go to if there are problems in in the clubhouse. You have Daniel Bryan, who's a part of the board. Supposedly, Daniel Bryan is now divvying out fi- fines to people, which is an odd thing. But I think that people acting online, like that's a huge, crazy thing for him to divvy out fines in the name of the company. Forget, what was a kangaroo court that The Undertaker was running? That's the same thing. Yeah. It's the boys. Yeah. It's, it's just the boys' version of it. Yeah, policing themselves. Correct. But when police, when like Bully Ray said last week on Busted Open, when you can't police yourself... That's when a guy like Paul Heyman comes in, or he said J.R. Jim Ross is the is the greatest in the history of the biz to do that is to come in and say, "Look, guys, we have to make money. Here's how we make money. All this other stuff is BS. It has to be at the door, right? right. If you go to if you look at the WWE now and the infrastructure they've created through Paul Levesque, Hunter Hunter Hearst Helmsley, is what we know him as commonly, but now he's going by his real name quite as an executive, Paul Levesque. You have most of the people who work on a main roster, even if they were indie wrestlers, came through either OVW or NXT. So they right. get there and they're getting paid, you know, not a whole lot of money and they're learning the system both where the hard cams are and all that and the hierarchy. They're getting a booker for their match and for their program, an agent. They know that if I don't like what's going on with the agent, then I talk to this guy. If that doesn't work, then I go knock on Sean's door. And they do that for a year. They do that for two years. Then they move up to the main roster. So the structure is in place. They know they have to knock on three doors before they get to Hunter. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very difficult uh, – I mean, and, and if you're not coming from someplace with structure, you're coming from the indies, and you're getting into that thing, it's very difficult to adjust to. But that's why you have to do it so they can see that you can understand – it is not just the wrestling side, it's the business side that you have to learn. And that's why you're in NXT. Right, right. And the, the, the fascinating thing to me is, see, I don't want people to think I'm beating up on Tony at all because what he's tried to take on from a beginning standpoint, he immediately had a show with a, a huge locker room, 
an incredible amount of talent. I think he's great at booking matches, per se. I, the wrestling on that show is wonderful. But trying to have uh, control that style of locker room when you've never done it, the size, the pressure, the fact that it's on TV all the time, that's crazy. And he's it tried is. to do it. And so the fact that uh, a guy like CM Punk comes in post one of your bigger pieces of the pieces of the pie leaving and things going awry makes a lot of sense. It's really more likely than not when you look back on it. Yeah, that it would go that it would go sideways because you didn't have an authoritative figure. Yeah. And when you don't have an authoritative figure, then who who is going to stop you from going completely sideways? Okay, so let's do this now. Let's transition into you saw the uh, Rollins versus Punk moment on Raw last week. Yes, yes, it did. Okay, well, uh, quick background. Uh, we talked about this earlier. Punk, when he's in WWE before he leaves ten years ago, he's bringing the Shield up to be his protectors. And before that is revealed, Punk leaves the company. There is a little bit of a disconnect in that. Punk didn't want Roman in the comp- in the shield to begin with. He wanted his friend Chris Hero in. That didn't work out. W- when Punk went away, he was suing the company. Things were kind of crazy. They He's- did fire him on his wedding day. Yes. Dude, trust me. I'm not advocating for how Punk was handled in that yeah. situation. You know, the guy had a staph infection. He should have got time yeah. off, right? That so kind of thing. Yeah. And so Punk was justified in a lot of what he said, both in the pipe bomb and post. He did go after Seth Rollins, though, as a bootlicker, quote unquote. Um, Seth has always been a corporate guy. Go ahead. Right. Oh, I was going to say that was a weird situation. Um, WWE didn't want him on the Fox show, but Fox overruled him and put him on the Fox show uh, where he was given part blanche to say and do whatever he wanted to um, directly going against the product that they're producing, which is wild. Why? And Seth's your champ at the time. So Seth is catching the heat on a lot of this, right? And he's, and Roman is catching the heat. And so, you know, both Roman and Seth, who are now, you know, the biggest deals in the company that aren't CM Punk and Cody Rhodes have legitimate frustrations with, with Punk being in the locker room. So Seth comes out after Punk announces he's back and he's going to be on Raw, which is Seth's show. Seth comes out, goes nose to nose with him. And I thought it was fantastic. Did you think it was fantastic? I thought they did a really good job. The energy between them is fantastic. And it's been so long since we've seen them face to face. It's been a decade and some change before we've seen them uh, since we've seen them like that so it's, it's something something new right and, and the thing too about wwe punk is there because he they know that he can make a ton of money for the company he would not be there for any other reason outside of the financial state that they have uh with getting new tv contracts with selling merchandise advancing the wwe for that is why they brought him in Period. Correct. That was why I asked, how good do you have to be to be able to do what you want in a locker room? Because, for example, 1.4 million people watch Raw on Monday night, last Monday night. When Punk was in the ring, 1.8 million people were watching. 
Punk is currently the top merch salesman for both AEW and WWE. He is moving the needle like he has never moved the needle before. Mind you, Cody Rhodes was a similar scenario not that long ago. Mind you, Cody never got along with Seth either. Right. Cody kind of looked at Seth as one of Dusty and Hunter's boys. Right. When Cody was actually Dusty's boy and Hunter was his favorite wrestler, right? So there was legitimate uh, friction there. And yet... I watched Seth have one of the better programs of his career and of most careers with Cody. I watched him go out there with a man that had one arm and give us a match of the year candidate. There is no doubt in my mind we are about to get the very best of both CM Punk and Seth Rollins because Seth is a complete corporate guy. He's going to do exactly what Hunter tells him to do, and he's going to give us the best work he can because he believes – that well, first of all, Seth's goal in life is to, besides marrying Becky, is to main event WrestleMania, and without Punk, that's never happening. He hasn't done yeah. it yet. He needs Punk to do that. So, Go ahead. Uh, so you asked how good you have to be to to break those barriers, get through all those factors, become that person. You got to be the best in the world, apparently. Yes. You got to be the best in the world. One hundred percent. But also, here's the thing about a guy like Punk, is he does he does help out young talent. He has spent time at NXT since he's come back. He spent time with young wrestlers in AEW. He believes in the future of this business. He believes in wrestling as a storytelling format. He is going to do everything he can to push this forward. Now, did he wind up here... In a genuine, I want to go home way? No, absolutely not. He got fired, and he had one yeah. last chance, and they gave him a contract. Okay, A, there's a structure at WWE. B, we have Punk under contract. If he does anything wrong, we can fire him, and we can keep our money. C, he's going to be working with Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, who are complete professionals, and there is a ton of money to be made there. But on the flip side, Punk knows. His career, if he has two good outings with Seth and Roman, he goes from a cautionary tale in pro wrestling history to rock Stone Cold Hogan status. Has there ever been a wrestler where they chanted his name for 10 years? When he wasn't working? Yeah, he wasn't working. He wasn't doing anything. He, he changed his name for 10 years. He wasn't, 10 years. He wasn't not only working. He literally was saying, I hate this company. I'm never going back to it. And yet they still. And it wasn't just Chicago. It was everywhere he went. He's wrestling Tupac. He's wrestling Tupac. Because <laughs> no matter what Tupac did, they loved him. Right. No matter, he, he's the wrestling version of Tupac. Right. Where, he, where, where Tupac's been, been, God rest his soul, dead for 20, 20 something years, right. 25 years, Tupac's been gone. People still love him. CM Punk's been gone for WWE for 10 years. Right. 10 years, not not so much of a peep outside that backstage show, and they loved him, and they they literally chanted his name at live uh, live events for a decade. Right. Without any hope. Even when he showed back up at Survivor Series, there was no guarantee he was going to come back. Still chanting. Right. Right, and you know, Tupac goes from digital underground to, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, he's right. 
he's such a legend. And then you, and by the same, by the same t- t- uh, token, what you're saying, Punk is in TNA for a moment. He's in ROH for a moment. You know, everywhere he's gone, there's been negativity, but there's also been incredible positivity. And we'll never, ever forget him. But I think legacy is important to Punk, and I don't think he wants to go out like he would have if not for Triple H giving him this opportunity. No, I 100% agree. I 100% agree with that. Hey. That, yeah. Dude, why don't you get your workout on? And thank you so much for coming on and talking with us for, for for a little bit. I appreciate hey, you, brother. Thank you so much for for having me. It's been a it's been a crazy week, but I appreciate the time and getting to talk about uh talk about some wrestling and some football. And uh, sorry about the Seminoles. I'm right there with you, dude. Um, y- y'all had a Georgia had an argument for being in it too. Yeah, I think they should make the uh, the Orange Bowl. A playoff game personally and the winner of that gets in but next year it'll be a different story hey what if i i don't i know this won't happen well maybe we should before the orange bowl maybe we should get together and do one of your pods absolutely let's do that let's do it let's do it we'll save it for that okay folks thank you for listening i appreciate your pause thank you so much he's crossbones tell them where they can find you all right you can find me on the atl podcast network that consists of banging and clanging podcasts uh, ATL Fit and the Game Over podcast, also on Twitter at Lichen Crossbones and on Instagram at ATL Podcast Network and Clanging and Banging ATL. That's Lichen as in Underworld? Lichen as in Underworld. I changed it for Halloween. I haven't changed it back yet. Dude, I love it. I love it. Lichens are the best, dude. That's they the are. best. Dude, you're the best. Appreciate you. Folks, check us out at The Daily Smart. Check out our Go Home Heat podcast at The Daily Smart. Thank you for listening. Sorry I went away for a little bit. As a wise man once said, uh, been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step two. Step there two. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Happy holidays to you. <laughs> yep. And go home. <laughs> Appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much. <laughs>